you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18. <laughs> oh my goodness, so good, so good. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. About that time Jesus came, uh, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus grabbed Maddox and said to him, said to them, I'll tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusted me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That sounds pretty rough, doesn't it? It's like, wow. He went from one thing to the next. I think there might be just a tad bit of emphasis on purity and, and innocence of a child. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? There seems to be a premium that Jesus is putting on the idea of childlikeness. You know, one of the things that, that, that we want to do as a church and we want to do as Christians is make sure that the message that is preached or Jesus is, is giving in the New Testament is actually something uh, that we are giving to you in an attitude that, that is meant to be given. In other words, making sure that we grab a hold of the message that was intended as Jesus began to speak. So we recognize here as, as we come that Jesus wants us to trust our Heavenly Father as much as we as as we understand it, we trust our earthly fathers and mothers. Now, some of us don't come from a great background, and I, I recognize that, and there could be some 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 issues with that. But I want us to think about a a wholesome, good family when it comes to that, and that is somebody who's who's trying to do parenting right. And and I'm reminded. Of all my kids, <laughs> and I probably did some things that I, I shouldn't have, and I don't want to discuss them in front of a group of people. But <clears throat> all of us as parents or grandparents or people who know people with kids, uh, get the kid on the diving board, never been in the water, have them walk out on the end of the diving board, and they go, no, no, no. And you're standing there with your arms open saying, jump, jump. Jump, go ahead. No, no. And then they just kind of fall into your hands. You ever seen that happen? But there has to be trust for that to happen. By the end of the day, they're falling backwards. You know, because they've they, they they're trusting. There's just trust between a parent and a child that exists. And God wants us to come to him that same way as we would come to an earthly father. But the first thing I want to do is I talk about childlike faith and the innocence and the purity of a child. We have to understand that, that God wants us to be able to come to him without struggle. That, that, we, that we should be able to come to him in innocence and purity. And the reason I want to talk about this is because there are so many instances where I hear the testimonies of people 
um, that don't have much of a testimony because they began to follow Christ at an early age. They, they're kind of feeling uh, a little bit less than, or, or, or maybe they just wish, you know, I wish I had a testimony like you because they hear these great testimonies or if I was addicted to drugs, I used to be a, a, you know, a prostitute or I, I once ran drugs or I did this or I did that and, you know, I was just this evil person that had, you know, all about money and all da 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 and then I got this great encounter with God and I get saved and I put all that behind me and I begin to follow the Lord and people say, I, I, I want a testimony like that, but I want to just tell you the truth of the matter of God, God is there to redeem us and, and save us from those kinds of lifestyles. But his intent from the beginning is that you be an innocent, poor child and you not need to be redeemed in that fashion. So you don't need to feel less than if you've never had that kind of testimony. You need to say about yourself, I did it the way God wanted me to do it. I committed to Christ when I was young. And I followed him all the days of my life. That is the will of God for you. Amen. I had so many people say, man, I need to hear that. And he just needed to hear that. So God doesn't want us to go through a struggle. You know, it, it seems like that there's so many people who they, they get to their you know, in their 20s and they've gone to college and they did all those, some of the things that happen and then they get in their late 20s or early 30s, they begin to have children, they get married, there are certain life changes that happen and all of a sudden they have this idea that, you know, I might need God. Or, or they have a kid and they say, you know, I don't know if I need God or not, but I probably need to raise my kids that way. I ain't figured that one out, but it happens all the time. There's just thought about, you know, I, I, I probably need to get right with God. And, um, and, and, and God is, is a, a God who, who is saying to you and me, listen, I'm, I'm the God who, who doesn't want you to struggle, but if you do struggle, I'm the God that rescues and restores. He, he says, there, there's a passage of Scripture that talks about all the stuff that wasted, all the wasted time, all the wasted decisions, all the wasted money, all the wasted relationships. He said, listen, not only can I redeem that, I can make up for that. I can, I can restore that. And when I restore, I restore tenfold, a hundredfold. So, so even us who came to know Christ, or, or, or maybe you haven't even come to know Christ yet, you haven't submitted your life to him, he has a plan, and that is to restore you fully. He wants us to come as a child. So if we do that, what does it really mean to come to God as a child. To go before God as a child is to go before God stripped of our sins and our doubts, fully wide open with expectation. He, he wants us to receive his love, to understand he's a good father, and he's got great plans for us. And he wants us to come to him like that. And so we, we have to come to God, trusting God as a child, to expect uh, this awe-inspiring greatness that we will receive through faith in him. There's this greatness that God wants to manifest in your life that only comes by faith. God is going to be there when I need him. If we said that to, to a child, do you think God is going to be there when you need him? The answer from that child would be an obvious, absolutely, yes, 
I believe that God is going to be with me when I need him. There's this abandonment. And so, and so Matthew 18, 3 says, Jesus actually says, he says, Surely I say to you, unless you change and become as, a little, as, a, as little children, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Webster says childlikeness is becoming chi- like a child, obviously, meek, submissive, and dutiful. That you, you come to this place. I, I played golf with Brandon Sharp and his daddy. It was Brandon's birthday um, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. It might, might be some other day, and he celebrated yesterday. But anyhow, he has this tradition that he does that he plays golf on his birthday. And so I just served the boy. I went out and played golf with him. It's the least I could do. Little Jace, who, who, who is uh, he, he's a friend of Maddox, <laughs> obviously. But anyhow, he's, you know, he's like, like 10 years old and 35 pounds with 10, packs of, 10 pounds of nails in his pocket soaking wet. I mean, he's, he's like this big. He plays golf incredibly. But, but he has zero etiquette, and if you, if you feed him sugar, it is really hard to watch. <laughs> but he's on a golf course where you're supposed to be quiet and still. And those two things seem to, you know, seem to be a little bit contradictory when it comes to Chase. But he's doing a good job. And his daddy's sitting there telling him golf etiquette. And he's responding. And he's responding because he trusts his daddy knows how to do it right. I mean, there's just this, you saw this whole training process in this son adhering to the policies of the father because he trusted what the father was saying. It's interesting how it parallels all through life and God is saying to you and me that you've got to come to me with that childlike faith. He says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. There's this place that God says, you got to have this kind of faith that believes I want to reward you for pursuing me. I want you to come to me with that kind of faith, with that kind of childlike faith. Life is like a race, you know. We, we get into this race, and God wants us to run the race like a child, but as adults, we have a tendency to become cynical with age. There's no cynicism in the room, I'm pretty sure, Everybody here is not a cynical person, especially in this day and time. But everywhere else, there's trouble with cynicism. And a child has yet to be touched by the concerns of this world, and so there seems to be an absence of that cynicism. And so as we run the race, and as we get older running the race, the more hurdles of doubts and concerns we tend to place in front of us. We place those hurdles in front of ourselves, and these hurdles slow us down. They knock us off stride. They make us give up completely in what we should be growing in in our relationship with God. We place the hurdles there, whereas an adult is more likely to give up the race. A child sees the prize, and he sees the finish line. An adult quits, and a child goes, i got to keep going. As you near the end of your adult life, can you look forward like a child and say what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. God wants us to approach him with childlike faith. Children don't have adult hurdles in their race with God. 
Childlike faith along with childlike love are an open road to the heart of God. He said, come to me like a child. So, so what I did was I thought it'd be fun if we just looked at some qualities that a child has and, and just see if you have any of these, okay? A child is innocent. There's an innocence and a purity in a child. A child is trusting. A child is teachable. A child believes without complication. A child has not had time to allow the preconceived notions of the world to form his decision-making process. A child receives a gift with openness, honesty, and unbridled joy. You get a, a kid a birthday present, and they like the box. I mean, they like the presents and the box. I mean, they, they're just filled with joy that they got the presents which is the type of happiness that an authentic Christian should have as they have faith in, in, in the gift of God, which is Christ Jesus. There should be that same happy childlike faith. A, a child receives with joy, forgetting themselves with, um, with, with lighthearted abandonment. They're, they're thinking about everything there. A child is humble. They aren't prone to pride. And they're not prone to hypocrisy. A child is content in the little things. A child has the faith to move mountains. A child is awed by majestic splendor. A child takes heart in God's word. It's all, it's all simplicity. I was talking to a person before service today, and, and I said, how are you doing? And they said, well, I'm all right. And I went, you're all right. Yeah, I guess I'm all right. I'm, all, I'm okay. I said, wow, your marriage good? Yeah, my marriage is great. You, 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 you got two beautiful children? Yeah, they're, 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 doing, they're doing great. Love my kids. So, so your husband's got a good job. Yeah, pays well. Yeah, it pays well. We're, we're, yeah, that's, yeah, everything's good there. So your relationships, so you got a nice home? Yeah, we got a nice home. It's really nice. Good, good. Do, do, do you have food? Yeah, yeah, we got food. We got all the food we need. So you don't have any lack. We don't have any lack. And you're just all right? You know, it, it, everything is a matter of perception. You know, we, we let emotions and we let stuff get in our way. And God says, listen, listen, come to me with this childlike faith. You know, be, be content, be satisfied. Know my goodness. Examine your life and see my goodness. Think of God and the child as one who, who um, would submit to, to, to good parents. Children full of innocence come to their loving father and mother, trusting them completely to take care of them, to protect them, to provide for them, to correct them when they go wrong, and to love them and cherish them. That's what our Heavenly Father does. It's, it's this humble, unpretentious faith that's a childlike faith. And Jesus says, man, church, this Easter, I died, and if you'll come to me, I died and raised again, and if you'll come to me, all the goodness of God is yours. It's available to you because I'm a good father. And I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. And I want good for you. It's even backed up by, by Matthew. 
if we come fully trusting him without doubt, he will love and care for us. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 19, 14. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And then he reminds us in his word that we're indeed his children. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know this is because they don't know him. And so, we are to come to our Father with childlike faith. But there's more. We should take God at his word. We should believe God like a child believes the word of his Father. We should believe his word. We should accept it, being fully engaged spirit, fully engaged to his love, and fully engaged to his commandments. But here's an issue, and Jesus deals with it in the statement. Sometimes children are easily fooled and led astray. They, they tend to be drawn to myths and fantasies and not truth. They carry an innocence and purity and honesty, and they are teachable, and they're open to doing the right things, so we've got to train them in righteousness, what is right. Because they trust us as parents to give them truth. But, but, but we've got to know the truth and we've got to make sure that we adhere to the truth. Because the second part of that scripture is this. If you make one of these little ones stumble, and what stumble means and what this whole context is. As a matter of fact, let me read this part in the Amplified Version because it really puts it well, it says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble and sin, that is, who entices him or hinders him in right conduct or thought, it would be better, more expedient and profitable or advantageous for that person to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be sunk to the depths of the sea. This high emphasis on purity and innocence that God wants us to come to him with, he wants to protect. And, and he says it, it'd be better for somebody who, who's, who's saying that in this time, this is, this is the warning that I think the Lord wants me to give Easter. In this time that we say things aren't sin, that we allow our children to think that this particular way of doing is not sinning, then, then it would be better to tie a millstone around our neck and be thrown into the sea. And so, and so it's important that we understand what the Word of God says and that we trust it and that we make sure that we, we don't um, agree and become part of or we need to be aware of what we advocate as righteousness. In other words, this is all right to do. This is all right to think. Jesus puts a big warning on that as well. And so this Easter, this Easter, he's saying to you and me, come to me with childlike faith. Understand how much I love you. Understand that I've got a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. But I'm not going to allow you just to go your own way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring correction to things so that you don't harm yourself. 
I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make provision for you. I'm going to do everything needed to bring you joy. You just got to trust me. You got to have faith. And I want you to have a faith in me like you have in a good father or a good mother. It says come to Easter that way. In a room this size, we're about, we're about to do communion. I'm going to go ahead and have Michael come, and I'm going to go ahead and have the ushers come. We're going to pass this out as I go through this last part. We need to make sure that we, that we come to the Lord today with, with that attitude. I'm reminded of several different kinds of, of people. There are people who, who um, there are people who, who are very intellectual. They're very intellectual, and they've got, they come to this conclusion or this pro- process, they're thinking like this, you know, I'm not sure I trust preachers, I'm not sure I trust church, I'm not sure I trust the Bible. There's a lot of things that I'm not sure I trust, and so when I get this thing figured out, when I get this God thing figured out, then I'm going, and then I'm going to come, and then, I, then, then, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll commit my life to God. You know, I, I've, there's some of us that said, I'll acknowledge God, but, but, I, but I'm not sure that I'm going to trust God. Now, you know, Billy Graham and there's many others that say churches are filled with people who acknowledge Him but really don't have a relationship with Him. And the reason I'm hitting on these two people is because I think the churches are full of them. But, but, there's, but there's no way that you're ever going to figure out intellectually the, 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 the grandeur of your God before you make a commitment. Can y'all listen to me while they pass that out? Can y'all do both of those things? That'd be great. This is important. It's important. You're never going to figure out the grandeur of God. Do you realize that God created the universe and it's still expanding right now? You know the reason it's still expanding? Because he spoke and he hadn't said stop. He spoke creation and he didn't say stop and it's still being created. And how are you going to figure that out? Aren't you glad your three-year-old doesn't say, Daddy, when I got you figured out, I'll start doing what you tell me. So why is it that we think that we somehow have to intellectually figure God out before we're actually going to trust Him? So it's a very impossible place. You know, and, and the truth is you're never going to get there. It's impossible to get there. You've got to believe by faith that Jesus Christ was God. That He was born of a virgin. That, that the seed of the Father penetrated the virgin and and fertilized the seed. And the seed of the Father God brought forth the Son whose sole purpose was to live and, and lead and show us how to live until the day that He died for the sins of the world. And He says He counted it all joy to carry out this mission. Not to die but to raise again, to be the firstborn of the resurrected. So the Son of God dies, goes to hell, takes the keys back from hell and the grave. Death, where's your sting? He comes back and he is enthroned at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. You know what that means? He's praying that you'll get it. 
He's praying that you'll trust Him like a kid. He's praying that we'll come into this relationship with Him that, that, that is just saying, Father, I'll, I'll fall backwards if you tell me. I'll trust you. So there's a place that we've got to come to that we believe that Jesus is God. And that he raised from the dead and he died for the sins of the world. Now I'll just tell you, believing that this book could be written without error is easier for me to believe that Jesus is God or just as easy. You see, what we do is we, we, we place this premium on the idea that Jesus is Jesus, but his word can have flaws. Why? Why do we think that a God who is able to create everything, where all the information is there in the cell before the cell is actually begun, why do we think that God is that that scientific, that mathematical, doesn't have the ability to bring the word of God without error on print? Why do we think that he couldn't give a vision and a dream to a man who created the printing press for the very reason of printing the first Bible? So we would have the Word of God. Somehow we think that that is some large task. It is absolutely impossible when we know that the sun and the moon, if they move one degree, then we're either going to burn up or freeze or flood because the oceans will no longer be controlled by their boundaries. You see, there's a big God out there. And he says this about us. Is, is, this is how you commit to me. You don't commit to me by acknowledging me. The demons do that. And shudder. And what you say is, I will your will, God. He didn't want you to, to disengage your will. He wants you to will his will. He wants you to say to him, I want to die to my plan and I want to adopt yours. I believe that you are here and I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to adopt your plan for my life. I choose righteousness. I choose right way of thinking and doing. And God, if I see it in your word, I want it to transform the way I think. Even if I have to fight it. Even if I have to overcome it. And so this Easter, <laughs> thank you, darling. This Easter we have empty, uh, empty tops. I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't have these things back in the day. <laughs> but everybody's got it figured out. You pull the top one, and then you get to the to the. So we're going to take communion right now. And this Easter, man, I think is so cool. We get a chance to come to Jesus like a child. You know, I love, I love mornings. I love, I love early morning. He said, my mercies are new every morning. My mercies toward you are new every day. Every day you get the opportunity to come to me like a little child. And you can trust me today. You can count on me today can count on me to protect you, to lead you, to guide you, to provide for you. You can count on me to do all those things. I counted it all joy to die at the cross, not so that you could remember the pain and suffering, but so you can remember how much I loved you. Remember how much you love me, God. And I'm going to remember, Lord, of 
everything that was made available. You said, he who is greatest in the kingdom comes to me like a child. So, Father, that's what I want to be. I want to be great in your kingdom. And so this Easter, we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. And we're going to remember that you require childlike faith. So, Father, in obedience to what you've asked us to do, we take the bread and we take the cup. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time that you take of this bread, I want you to do so remembering what I did for you, the fulfillment of everything God has promised. Let's take the body. In like manner, he took the cup. And he says, this is a new covenant. This is a covenant in my blood. This covenant is a powerful covenant. It has the ability to forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed in the past. It has the ability to forgive every sin that you're currently involved in. And it has the ability to forgive every sin that you will commit in the future. Past, present, future. And he says, this covenant will make you righteous before God. Forever and ever. Ever and ever. To all my kids. Those who really love me. So Father, we remember your covenant. We remember that we are your children. And remember, God, everything that's available by inheritance as adopted sons and daughters. So Father, it's your blood. And we do so in remembrance of what you did. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to praise the Lord. Thank him right now. Father, thank you right now for what you did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So, Father, if this is the first time for somebody to commit to you today, Father, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about coming up front. It doesn't matter about raising a hand. You know whether we commit in our, in our hearts. And it matters by transform life, God, because we're going to begin to die the self and begin to come alive in you, in Christ. We will come alive. And we'll start manifesting what you look like, Jesus. Your love, your kindness, your peace, your long-suffering, your mercy, your goodness, your patience. And we'll start producing those things. Father, if we've been trying to figure out you intellectually, today's a new day. And we say we're coming to you with childlike faith. Father, this Easter, may it change everything about me. Father, I pray that we're changed. I pray that this pastor is changed this Easter. I pray, God, that I have revelation of who you are better. I understand your love better. I understand your requirements, God, what, what, you, what you're about, what you do, what you think. God, I pray that you continue to reveal those things to me by your word. And I pray that I trust you more and more. I thank you for Easter. And so I say, thank you, Daddy. You want to just say that to the Lord? Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said.